We're reading from Job 23 today, right in the middle of your Bible. You'll find Job right before the Psalms. And I can honestly say I've never preached from this passage of Scripture. I hope and pray that God will richly bless this word as we have it read into our hearts today. And I'll read this to you. And it says in Job 23:1, then Job answered and said, even today my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in his great power? No, but he would take note of me. There the upright could reason with him, and I would be delivered forever from my judge. Look, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold." My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is unique, and who can make him change? And whatever his soul desires, that he does. For he performs what is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore, I am terrified at his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. For God made my heart weak, and the Almighty terrifies me because I was not cut off from the presence of darkness, and he did not hide deep darkness from my face. And may the Lord bless the word of God and the words of Job today as we have them read into our hearts. And it's a very important Bible book, the book of Job. Uh, we don't know much about Job. Most scholars that I have followed throughout the years, these people have said that Job was a man who lived at the same time that Abraham lived. And that makes sense to me because if you think about some of the things he talks about, he was a man who was a contemporary of Abraham. So that's 3,000, no, how many years? 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago is a long time. But Job, as you recall the story, and most of the time when I preach Job and most preachers preach Job, they only preach on the first chapters and the last chapters. And I don't know when I've ever preached from the middle. <laughs> and, and yet these words seem to make sense to me, at least a lot of it. And I really appreciate what Job had to say. Uh, just as a background, so you'll know what happened to Job. And I don't presume you know everything about it, but Job was a man who was very wealthy. He had a good family. He had everything going his way. And there was this strange meeting in the heavens where the angels were assembled and somehow Satan was allowed to attend this meeting. Now, the Lord brought up Job and said, have you considered my servant Job? <laughs> that he, he loves me. He, he does what's right. And the devil made excuses and started saying, well, of course, he's going to do right because you've given him everything. 
But if you take everything away from him, he won't serve you. So the Lord said, well, do what you want, but don't harm him. Don't lay a finger on him. Don't harm a hair of his head. Don't do anything to him personally. So it, so it became a series where Job lost his money, he lost his family, and his health. His wife was the only one left alive. That's a very bad situation to be in. And then his health, he literally was hurting from head to toe with skin, a skin disease so that he was miserable. Now, I can tell you from my personal experience, and you can too, that it's no fun to have a skin disease, is it? To have an allergic reaction. To be literally covered in sores is miserable. That was his life. But that was only one of his problems because he also had the grief and all the financial catastrophe associated with his life. Now, his so-called friends, they started talking with him. And they started saying, Job, maybe you did something wrong here. <laughs> you think you're right with God and you think that your faith in God is good, but you, none of this would have happened if you had really done everything you're supposed to do. And they really poured sort of, uh, instead of comforting him, he had to defend himself by, to his own friends. And how... You know, when, you, when you're, go, you're in a down position, when you are hurting, you don't want your friends blaming you for your own problems. <laughs> That's not what you need. You need people to help you and encourage you. So we look in this scripture in Job 23, and we see several things that indicate his struggle and hopefully will help us in our struggles and hopefully help us to understand that Job was limited more than we are. You and I have a better position to look at life than he did. He, he lived 4,000 years ago. He lived 2,000 years before Jesus came to the earth in the form of a baby. So we know that Job had a disadvantage from the very beginning. But we also know, though, that Job was frustrated with the lack of God's presence in his life. Look in verse number, uh, the first verses we read. You notice how he says, even today my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Now I have looked at different translations and I looked at commentaries on to what this meant because there's different ways of even interpreting this verse. But here is the point, is that he was weighted down so bad because of the suffering he was facing and, and he was bitter over it. It was hard on him and he was really upset that he couldn't find the Lord. And I know for a fact here, he says, oh, that I knew where I might find him. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Lord. And why does he say this? Because that I might come to his seat. He was frustrated because he thought that God was nowhere to be found. And that was a sad thing. He was having a struggle finding where God was because he wanted to find God. He wanted to see God. He wanted the Lord to show up. Now in life, people don't always have proof that God is even there. We don't always know. We don't always see it readily. Sometimes God's presence is hidden from us. I heard about two golfers who 
made a deal with each other. Somebody told a story, or at least I heard, uh, well, anyway, this story is interesting because the two golfers made a deal. If one of them died first, the other would come back and say that, yes, there's golf in heaven as a proof of the afterlife. So uh, after many years, one of the golfers died. He came, and, and a week later, the, the, his friend sees this apparition, sees the spirit of his friend, and, uh, he, and he says, oh, it's you. And, and, and the man, the spirit said to him, I got good news, I got bad news. The good news is there's golf in heaven. The bad news is you tee off next week. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, is that we're all better off in heaven. The truth is this world is the source of our suffering, our own sin, yes, but also the whole conditions of all the conditions of the world are such that the world frustrates us and God seems to be gone. We don't readily see him. We don't see him because he's invisible. Now, evidence of God, we see, but we don't see him. And that's a very important thing. And Job says, oh, I wish I could just go to God and make my case. If I could just go to him, I know that he would straighten things out. If we could get justice in this situation, I know that God would remain true. So he was frustrated. He was frustrated that he didn't see God. He was frustrated with this. And I tell you, it's easy to be frustrated when we see people getting by with things that are crooked when we see the injustice of our world. It's easy to be frustrated and we wonder, is God even here? Is he, does he even care? But Job had faith in God because even though he had frustration with the lack of God's presence, he had faith in God's character. Keep reading here. He says in verse number four, I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Now, what he means by this is that if I could only go before God, I know he's good. I know that he would explain everything to me. I know that if, if I spoke, he would understand me and I would understand him. And that's, that's what Job has. He has faith in God's character. And in verse six, one of the greatest verses here, he says, would he contend with me and his great power? No, but he would take note of me. You see, Job knew something about God's character that a lot of people forget and his friends had forgotten because a lot of people think, hey, you're messing around with God and you're just nothing and you are going to get in trouble because you're approaching God. And Job said, no, because God's not going to look at me. He's not going to look at my complaints and say, I'm going to just squash you like a bug because you bother me. That's not God. You see, God actually cares. He knew that God cared. And he says, of course, God could say something bad to me. Of course, God could do bad things to me, but he doesn't have to because it's not a contest. He, I'm no contest to him. And so he makes it clear. Would he contend with me in his great power? That wouldn't even be a contest at all because God is not looking to have an argument with us. 
He is not going to shut us down. What he wants to do, rather, is he, he takes note of us. And he, he made that point that he trusted God's character even while everything had fallen down in his life. And, and I do mean everything. The only thing he had going for him was his faith and that he was living. But he was living miserably, trust me. He was not happy at all. He was really frustrated. He was hurt, hurting and suffering greatly. And he says in verse 7 that there, that is in the presence of God's court, think about God as the supreme judge of the world, just like our founding fathers believed. He says there the upright could reason with him and I would be delivered forever from my judge. Because I think my case is right. I don't think that these sufferings that came to me are because of any particular lack of faith in me. I trusted God. I always said God was my God. He offered the sacrifices that God had required him to do. Now, some people don't like hearing that Job was perfect and that his heart was right with God, and they say, well, nobody's perfect. But you got to understand what Job's saying. Job is not saying he wasn't a sinner because the whole point of the sacrifices was to do what? To, you do it because you are a sinner. But Job was faithful in the, the method that God gave them to be saved was to exercise faith in the sacrificial system that God set up. So he didn't break those rules. He believed in God and he followed God's instructions as God said. So what, what a lot of people think is that we can't be perfect, but that's not true. We can be perfect in following the Lord in his salvation, his salvation that he prescribed. We have no indication that Job was an idolater. We have no indication that he ever stopped honoring God and asking God to forgive him of his sins. And so he was not disloyal to God at any point that we can find. And that's what God is talking about when he was talking to the devil. Another thing about Job I want you to be aware of is that the book of Job is not a contest between God and the devil. It is very easy for people to think that God is playing with our lives like we're little pawns on a board and that he is putting us through all these very bad things just to prove a point. That is not what the Bible says and that's not what the book of Job is about. The book of Job is not a contest in any way between God and the devil because I'll frankly tell you, any contest between God and anything or anyone else is not a contest, okay? God's not afraid of the devil. The devil can't do anything to God, and God can easily get rid of the devil anytime he wanted. So what is it? What is the war? What is the battle in the book of Job? Well, the battle is not a contest between God and the devil. It's a contest between Job and the devil. And that contest is a real contest. And yet Job is a man and the devil is an angel, even though he's fallen. And fallen angels, though they are not able to have all the blessings of heaven, they still have many powerful uh, gifts and abilities that they can use against us. And humans are very limited. We're very limited. So it almost looks like it's and not even a good contest. It's a mismatch. Job is at a disadvantage here. 
He is the underdog. All he has is his wealth, his, his reputation, his family, his health, and most of that was taken away. And yet God said, I believe Job. <laughs> I believe, I'm, I'm going to back Job in this, this contest. I'm going to stick with Job. I am not going to follow you, Satan, and say that you're going to win. I'm going to say Job is going to beat you even though you take all these things away. Wow. That's where the real contest is. Now, what advantage did Job have? I mean, what, I mean, what can you say about Job? He had no advantages that I can find. I mean, he, all he had was God trusted that Job would do the right thing. And that was enough. If God will vouch for you, you can lose everything and still win. <laughs> if God will vouch for you, even your own doubts and miseries are not enough to take away God's Trust that you will do the right thing in the end. That's why God had faith himself, or not faith, but he knew Job was not going to disappoint him. So in this scripture here, Job, he had faith in God's character, even though he was suffering, but he also had faith in God's process. Notice what he says in verses eight through 10. Look, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. So everywhere he's going, he can't find God. He can't find any evidence that God is doing anything. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. So every direction you're going in, in your misery to find God, you don't find him oftentimes. And Job couldn't find him anywhere. Why did you do this to me, Lord? Why is this happening to me, Lord? He couldn't find God anywhere. God had removed all of the evidence of his presence. However, verse 10, Job still had faith. Look what he says. But he knows the way that I take when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. So he trusted the process. He says, despite the fact that I don't see the end, I don't see what's going to happen. I can't see God on any direction that I'm taking. I don't see, there's no choices that I know to make that are going to work out for me. I still trust God and I still trust that in the end, I'm going to pass through like gold that's gone through a fire. And that is faith, folks. That is real faith. And God wants us to have such faith. There was a man, he came in late from work. He, was, he worked very, very hard all the time, but he didn't spend much time at home. So he came in late, didn't want to wake his wife up, so he left a note next to her bed, her pillow, said, wake me up at 5 a.m. I've got to make a plane flight. So he woke up at eight o'clock <laughs> and he was so mad. He missed his flight. He, he then <laughs> goes, looked at his pillow and it says, wake up. <laughs> a sign, a little sticker right next to his pillow said, wake up. Sometimes folks, you can't assume that everything is visible. You can't assume that everything's going to be easily communicated. You don't always know that what you say and do is effective, but Job believed 
in the process that God had set for him, even though he was suffering greatly. In verse 12 or 11, he says, my foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So he kept loving God. He was devoted to God. He still believed God's word was true. He still believed God's commandments. He followed God in every way that he knew to follow God. And that was being honest. He was trying to do the right thing in his life. And he still was brought down. But let's talk about the fact that though he had faith in God and he was frustrated with his, his failures, with his, his own sicknesses and all the suffering, and he had faith in God's character and even in the process, even Job had a problem and it actually haunted him. He was tempted to think that maybe he didn't matter as much as he thought. Look what he says in verse 13. He says this about God. And it's this, these last verses that I think are very honest. And the Bible is an honest book. It doesn't try to make suffering look good. It doesn't try to paint a picture that's rosy all the time because if it is rosy, it's also there's plenty of thorns that are always there ready to cut you and stick you and cause you problems. So he says in verse 13, this is what he says about God, but he is unique and who can make him change? Very true. God's not like us. Isaiah confirms this point. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts, not our thoughts. So Job knew this and that scared him. <laughs> doesn't it scare you when you start thinking maybe God doesn't appreciate the things that I appreciate? Maybe he doesn't think like I do. In fact, he doesn't. So he, he goes on. He says, and whatever his soul desires, that he does. There's nothing limiting him. He can do whatever he wants. For he performs what is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. So there's nothing. He knows that nothing has happened to him by accident. There's not one hair of his head been harmed. Not one square inch of his body has been filled with sores that God did not allow it to happen. And that is a moment of crisis in his life. How can God let this happen? And he's really struggling despite all that he said. He's still a man. He's still hurt, hurting inside. And folks, that's normal. No amount of defeat that we may experience in this week that faces us is going to outweigh the victory that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You hear what I'm saying? That nothing in this world that we suffer is even able to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And Job right now is starting to get to thinking, oh man, what if God, he doesn't need me. <laughs> he doesn't need any, he can do whatever he wants. Nothing is by accident. So what is Job's response? He says in verse 15, therefore I am terrified at his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. See, earlier he's, he's all gung-ho to go meet with God, but when he thinks through the process, he knows that nothing happened to him without God's permission, and that makes him scared. <laughs> what if God really just... He's letting this happen. 
and he's not giving me relief? What if he chooses never to give me relief? That is a hard test. That is a test that we all may have to face. And Job really faced it. And so he was honest. You might think of Job as a guy who never did anything wrong. No, he did many things wrong. But he was a man who trusted God. But even in this moment, he is terrified at the prospects of going through life and not having God ever show himself. That was hard for him. And he says, I'm terrified at, at his presence when I consider this. I am afraid of him, for God made my heart weak. And the Almighty terrifies me. And what was the greatest haunting thing for his life? Look what it says in verse 17, the last verse of that chapter. Because I was not cut off from the presence of darkness, and he did not hide deep darkness from my face. You see, he really thought that if he had just died, he would have gotten off a lot easier. If he had just been killed, he wouldn't have had to suffer all these things. And, and, and I want to tell you, in the challenging times in which we live, with people's spirits being deflated, where the world seems to be upside down, what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong, I tell you folks, it is hard to face this type of darkness that we face. And Job said, because God did not take away this darkness and didn't kill me, but instead let me face it, that terrifies me. <laughs> That's what's scary to me. He didn't like the prospects of living in a world like he was living and going through what he was going through. And I think God wants us to stand for the truth, no matter what. Now, the House of Representatives this past two weeks ago or so, they changed the rules of their house. They, 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 they changed the rules. They got rid of gendered language. Uh, they, they had these words were in uh, one of their, their rules about the, the families of the people, and they defined family. Here's how the original rules of the House of Representatives defined family. They defined family as father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, first cousin, nephew, niece, husband, wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, stepfather, stepdaughter, stepbrother, stepsister, half-brother, half-sister, grandson, and granddaughter. Well, they got rid of those words because they're not acceptable, evidently. And they just said relatives, and then they talked about siblings and step-siblings and parents. They got rid of all these gender terms. Now, some people got in trouble for saying that they got rid of the ability to say these words. Even the House of Representatives speaker said uh, that she's a grandmother and has grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't say you can't say these words, but they did change one of their rule documents so that these words could not be in them. Now, I want to tell you right now that the devil hates the truth. He wants to break every connection we have with the past. He wants to break all families up. He wants to break up our whole concept of family. And he's been doing a doggone good job, if you're going to call it a good job. He's done a terrible job of, in terms of, of what he's 
inflicted on our world, but he is certainly effective at his destruction. Why are we having to go through this? Why are we having to pay for people to be nonsensical and ridiculous and remove the very foundation of our society and the words that we actually use? Why are we having to deal with this? Well, I don't know. I can't explain it. Job couldn't explain it. I can't explain it. Everything may go completely wrong. We are not guaranteed to have everything go the right way. But does that mean we have to curse God and die as Job's wife told him to do? No, we don't curse God. We still love God. We still got to have faith. But I mentioned to you that Job was at a disadvantage. He lived 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years before he saw what happened with Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. I think that we ought to add a few verses to what Job experienced for our own day. And, and it comes from Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, verse 14, verses 14 through 16. And the, the writer of Hebrews says this, seeing then that we have a high, great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, notice that, in all points, nothing we're facing today is a surprise to him. In all points, tempted as we are. So did Jesus have to deal with liars in his day? Did he have to deal with crooks, crooked people, people who were perverted in their minds and in their practices? Did he have to deal with people who were hateful people and people who would just as soon lie as to say the truth at any moment? Yes. He dealt with people who were faithless cowards. He dealt with people who were pretenders and actors and not sincere. He dealt with all of them. There's nothing that's happening today that didn't tempt him. <laughs> There's nothing that he faced that, nothing we faced that he didn't face. But here's the big difference. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. <laughs> he didn't have sin. Now we, we often sin, but he does not. He didn't sin, not once. Let us therefore, here's what God wants you and me to do. He says us, plural. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Sounds like Job, right? Job wanted to go to God. Job was ahead of his time. He says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in help, to help in time of need. I've never met too many people who ask for God's grace who didn't sense a need for it. If you don't have a need for it, you're probably not asking for it. So I have an opinion that one of the reasons why we go through hard times is that we see our need for God and we ask him to help us. But here's our advantage. Job didn't know all the details about Jesus, but now we do. We have a high priest who's there representing us and he's been through everything, folks. He suffered everything for us, and yet he passed through 
as the winner. And we can also put our faith in that same Jesus that Job believed in but didn't know very well. We have the advantage of saying, well, Job, guess what? Jesus did it. He passed through and he is advocating for us today. He's not stepped away from doing that. He's praying for us. He's asked, he asked his father to extend mercy to us. He's ready to help us. And I believe that we need to keep faith and trust in him. Let's run boldly to the throne of grace. Let's run to him. Let's do not be afraid to ask God to intervene in our problems. Let's ask God's grace today. Lord, thank you for this word that you gave us in the book of Job. We ask for your mercy to be extended because we're living in hard times where people are losing their loved ones, people are threatened by diseases. We're also threatened by the cures and the, the way society has responded to sicknesses. Because we live in times when the whole of our society structure seemingly has been removed from what it used to be. And I ask for your mercy to extend to us because we're in a time of need. We need now to be seeking you more than ever, but we have seemingly fewer doing so. So please help us intervene on our behalf and would you please have mercy upon us because we need mercy and grace to help in this time of need in our country and in the lives of our Christian people throughout the world. And we pray for these people and ourselves in Jesus' name and amen.